For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. In the church, pastors and priests are not the boss. That's the very clear teaching of the gospel that we just heard. That whereas ordinarily in any um, gathering or institution, um, the human leaders are sort of considered the boss. So he talks about the, the leaders of the Gentiles, and he there has in mind like Roman governors and different um, leaders, perhaps in the synagogue, and that how characteristically leadership is exercised with lording it over. Right? Don't, they, they lord it over them, they exercise authority, they kind of flex over their subjects. And he says, it shall not be so with you, not in the church. It's not how it's going to be. So, who is the boss? The answer that the scripture presents is the word of God. The word of God is the boss. It just came to mind, what company is it that says the source is the boss? There's a barbecue sauce that says the sauce is the boss. Never mind. That just came to my favorite. No, it's not the, not the sauce, it's not the boss. The word of God is the boss. And when we say word of God, as it says here in Hebrews 4, the word of God that's living and active, there's an intentional um, multiple layers of meaning that intertwine together. So the first meaning is just um, this idea of message, communication. The message of God is living and active. But the, the fullness of the message of God, the greatest he's ever communicated, the clearest he's ever communicated, is Jesus himself. And Jesus is called in John's prologue, the word of God. So if you want to know, well, what has God said to us? The best thing to listen to is Christ crucified. That's what God says to us. That, I mean, it's the Bible within the Bible, John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That is the greatest, the center of the communication that God has made towards us. And all of this, all of his prophetic speaking, most profoundly and uh, eternally and ultimately in Christ Jesus, is all recorded for us on the page of sacred scripture. And so when we say word of God, we also mean the Bible. And really that's where the weight of, I think, this passage in Hebrews lands for us, who uh, were not alive to see Jesus in his visible earthly ministry. Notice I say visible because... He still has a ministry on earth, it's just not visible any longer. But we mean the Bible, because the Bible records all that Jesus said and did that we needed to know. Of course, he did some things that are not recorded, but what we needed to know, the saving message of his life, his teaching, and his, ultimately his death and resurrection, are recorded in the Bible, as well as all of God's prophetic communication prior to Christ. So what that means, to kind of collapse all these things together, is in the church, the Bible is the boss. The Bible is the authority. The Bible is the judge. That's the, um, what we pick up in this passage, this image of a sword was uh, characteristically held by judges and justices in the ancient world, and I believe still statues of uh, Lady Justice still hold a sword when represented. Um, is there a statue of Lady Justice anywhere in the capital that you know of? No. No, okay. Ah. For shame. Anyways, traditionally, statues of Lady Justice include a sword, a sword of a, a symbol of the authority to judge. And this word, when, I, when we read 
that the word discerns the thoughts and intentions. That word discerns has um, a judicial air. It could also be translated um, judicial sifting, like the way a judge would sort through evidence, discerning what is valid from what is invalid, what is true from what is false. That's what it means there that the Bible does. And because the Bible is the very word of God, and God himself is the greatest judge there could be because he sees all and is perfect fairness as well as perfect mercy. Therefore, the Bible is the best judge that we could have. It's actually good news to have the Bible be our judge. And because God is himself the source of all life, even his very word is in a way living. It's not a metaphor when it says the word of God is living and active. This isn't a text that is meaningful and in the past, but we have to make it alive, such as something like the U.S. Constitution. It's a profound document, but it still is sort of anchored in the past and we're trying to bring it out into the present. The Word of God always exists in the present. It's alive. It's not dead. So any time that you hear it, any time that you read it, you're actually engaging with something that is alive and actually will um, encounter you, not just you encounter it. In that way, it's not like other books. Um, St. Augustine um, recognizes that the, the uh, sweet parallel that it happens to mention a double-edged sword, um, and in the way that the word works, that there is two testaments, old and new, and that the word of God cuts on either side, sometimes uh, with the message of judgment, sometimes with the message of mercy, right? The law and the gospel, the law that would sort of cut us with the sense of, oh no, I really have fallen short of the glory of God. But then the word of mercy that cuts with love and says, wow, I, Lord, you, you would actually just forgive me entirely out of nothing but your goodness? And a, it says um, in the Song of Songs, we're actually wounded with love. The Bible slices through the outward appearances and dissects the inmost part of us. That image of joint and marrow, it's an image of the butcher block. I've only um, carved apart a couple turkeys in my day. I'm still a young man, still got a ways to go. They don't turn out very good, but, you know, the time. Um, but it's an image of, you know, taking a knife and very carefully making sure you get all the good meat, but slicing it right off the bone, as close to the bone as you can get, so that you don't leave any of the good stuff behind, but that you don't also get any of that nasty cartilage and junk. Right? That's the figure there. The marrow c- can be translated any of the squishy bits in a, car- in a, in a living body separating soft, good flesh from the hard, dead bone with surgical precision. The Word of God does this to our very soul. And there's that very mystical image, the different slicing, but discerning between soul and spirit. Who of us could ever see where soul begins, the sort of the lower part of our invisible nature, and spirit's the higher part of our invisible nature? Who could ever distinguish that? Well, we can't, but the Lord can. His Word does. And when He does that, it calls us to repent of the dead things that are cut off. When the word separates and says, ah, this is, this is dead. This needs the medicine of God. Our evil thoughts. That's what it says in, in the Hebrews passage. Discerning our thoughts and intentions. When the word of God slices and makes the distinction, the call is then to repent of what he wants to cut away and cling tighter to the gift he's given us in the spirit that he's saved. We need the sword of the word because otherwise we characteristically as humans, ever since it's as old, it's as old as Adam and Eve, right? When God is looking for Adam after they've sinned and they make for themselves big leaves and they're hiding and they're covering themselves. 
We're always doing that with our self-justifications and rationalizations of our actions to ourselves. And the Word of God cuts right through that and says, now God knows what's really in your heart even more than you do. He wants to bring um, darkness that's hidden in our heart to light prior to Judgment Day. Right? On Judgment Day, it's all going to be out in the open for everybody. But God wants us to bring it to the light now so we can repent of it while mercy is freely on offer. That's why he's given us his word. This is all quite abstract, so I'll end just with a concrete anecdote. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, um, I, w- I got, became frustrated at something um, our bishops had done. And I convinced myself, as best as I thought, I, you know, as best as we know ourselves, I, I, I thought I was right and that they'd done something wrong. And, and I was thinking, well, what, how do I need to stir the pot to really challenge them? And um, I was praying through evening prayer, as uh, is you know, Anglican Christian custom. Um, and we were reading through 1 Peter chapter 5. And in 1 Peter 5, 5, I read, all right there on the page, um, likewise you, and he's talking specifically to ministers, likewise you ministers who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. And in reading that on the page, it was like that, that knife that sliced through. Here I was, I thought I was all righteousness and uprightness. Sliced right through and revealed, actually, it was the opposite of humility, which is arrogance. And it was actually arrogance. My, my good intentions were, were running cover for my arrogance. And the word exposed that. And in a moment, I was, I was just here, no one had come that evening, so I was here reading from this Bible. And I was like, I was just cut down. And it was like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry for thinking in haughtiness that I know better than the bishops, that, that I would presume as an elder, as a younger, to sort of speak against my elders rather than clothing myself with humility. It, the, the Lord gave me grace to then change my course. And I didn't upset any apple courts. And I didn't apple carts. I didn't um, do anything um, that would have been wrong and wicked. The Lord exposed it with his word. I could tell you um, 200 stories like that over the last 15 years, where in reading the scriptures, in hearing the scriptures, it's like, ooh, I didn't realize that was what was really going on in me, but the Lord has sliced through and brought it to life. The key, therefore, is to step onto the butcher block, to sit under the word of God and let it do this work of cutting between joint and marrow, soul and spirit. Um, you do this every time you crack open a Bible with faith. And I say with faith, so not to like scrutinize and pick apart, but to, every time you crack open a Bible, a Bible in private reading, to, to, to hear from the Lord, you're placing yourself on the butcher block for the Lord to cut through. Every time you hear the Bible read, in a gathering of Christians. Every time a preacher unpacks the Bible and not just his own thoughts. And as preachers, we're always tempted to want to sort of veer into just our thoughts, but to unpack the Bible. And you might think, well, why subject myself to a knife? Why would I want this experience of being painfully dissected and corrected? The answer to that is um, twofold. Because if we don't do it now, while mercy is available in Christ Jesus, it will just happen to us then on Judgment Day. On Judgment Day, everything is going to get brought into the real light of God. But also, and this is a sort of thought I want to offer, I think we are actually always submitting to some criteria of discernment, whether we are intending to or not. It's just a question of how conscious we are of it. So it might be some ideology, some book, a guru, or a culture, or a peer group, or some schema for self-betterment, 
We all have some working system that, we're, that is actively sifting and telling us in ourselves what, what is good and what is bad. And other than the Bible, all of them are not trustworthy surgeons. They're not, they are dull knives. They'll actually cut away things that are good and leave things that are bad. None of them will actually bring us eternal life. Only the Word of God can do that. So I don't think it's a case of still on the butcher block or not. It's just a question of which butcher block to go on to. And only the, the double-edged sword of the Word of God is the right one to cut ourselves apart. Otherwise, we'll be confused and conflated. And ultimately, what will happen, and I'm, maybe you have known this in phases of your life, um, maybe, you, maybe you've encountered it in, um, in near friends or family members, but the danger of other schemes of self-knowledge is that then you can think that, well, I really know myself, but if it's been anything other than the word, it's actually just strange new layers of hiding yourself from yourself, but thinking that you know, which is very dangerous. The sword of God is the only safe scalpel. And if you submit to the word, it actually protects you from the harm of other duller knives that would hurt the soul. It means that if ever you encounter false teaching from anywhere, even from me, you actually have already the true knowledge to discern what is false from what is true. It's actually maybe a little known fact that the greatest gift you can give any pastor or priest is to say, can you show that to me in the scriptures as a challenge? And if, they, if, if I can't, then you win because the word is the boss, right? The pastor is not the boss. Honestly, open, open season 24-7 to ever say, can you show that to me in the scriptures? And if it can't be plainly shown, then we are bound by the great tradition as manifest in Anglicanism to say, well, then it's not necessary for salvation. It might be kind of true, but unless it's in the word of the, of the word of God, it's not the boss. Can you show that to me in the Word of God? And as we gather around the Word, the living Word, God himself will speak to us, correcting, encouraging, and guiding. And the wonderful thing about this is what this means is we're actually getting an accurate picture of ourselves and of God from his Word. So when the Lord comes back again or when we die, whichever one comes first and we see God face to face, the joy of Christians is that we'll then see with our eyes what we've we're planning on seeing by, from faith now. Right? That the picture was actually accurate. That there won't be some big surprise of like, oh, God is actually like that. It'll be like, oh, that's just the God I believed in because his word told me that. Or even when we see ourselves before the bright light of his judgment on judgment day, it won't be like, oh my gosh, what? I had no idea. If we exposed ourselves to the word of God, it would be like, yes, I knew that I'm a great sinner and that I have always needed the mercy of Jesus and that is my pass into heaven and nothing else. The word gives us the truth. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Amen.